Good morning. Well, I see the world in color. Today we talk about anger. Anger gives us some color in the world, doesn't it? It makes for good TV. We love to watch angry people, don't we? <laughs> well, we're still in our, our series called Stay Calm. Now, what? Stay calm in your anger? Sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? You know an oxymoron? Give me an oxymoron. Yes, that's the most common jum jumbo shrimp. It's like two opposite things that come together but somehow make sense. Uh, jumbo shrimp, I love jumbo shrimp. How about you? The bigger, the better, even though they're very shrimp. <laughs> anyway, stay calm in your anger. This is our series, Stay Calm. And uh, I'm excited about it because honestly, every time that I have to prepare a message, I go deeper with the Lord because I spend a lot of time in the Word. I spend a lot of time calling on the Holy Spirit to fill me and to anoint me and to give, him, give me His words that I wouldn't communicate anything that would be apart from what God's Word says. I don't want to veer off of that at all. And so I'm excited that we're going to be talking about anger. How about you? Do you get excited about talking about anger? <laughs> okay, we, we'll do that today because in just a bit, I, wanna, I want an angry crowd, okay? So be working that up inside of you and think about what makes you angry, okay? Uh, but what, every time that I, that I spend time with the Lord and prepare a message, I also have to take a journey through my own imperfections. And I can tell you, it's not easy to see the truth about me. But I can promise you this, if you will be courageously honest about what's going on inside of you, I'm saying courageously honest about yourself, God will take you to a richer, deeper place. And I think one of the reasons that we don't go to a deeper, richer place is because we don't want to see those things about ourselves. But I can promise you, if you're courageous enough to do that, God wants to show you something brand new, and he'll explode in your life as a result of that. So what we're going to do is, first of all, take a little uh, look at, at some insights into anger. When you're late for church service, you get angry. When you get angry, you need to blow off steam. When you need to blow off steam, you meet new people. When you meet new people, you start a garage band. When you start a garage band, you lose track of time. When you lose track of time, you miss the birth of your first child. And when you miss the birth of your first child, you get punched in the face by your mother-in-law. Don't get punched in the face by your mother-in-law. Lose the anger and get wisdom. Pow! We mothers-in-law, watch out for us. <laughs> Well, the truth about anger is that we do need wisdom, don't we? We need wisdom because all of us at some point struggle. Uh, it's one of the emotions that we really don't learn how to do very well. And what, here's what I've found about uh, the Bible and about being in church circles. We're told what we're supposed to be, right? We're told that we're supposed to oh, I just spit. We're told that we're supposed to be calm when we're insulted because in Proverbs it says, a fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person 
stays calm when insulted. Yeah, right. So here's what I found. The Bible tells us don't be afraid, but how? What about that fear that I have? Stay calm when you're insulted. Yeah, but what about the anger that I have when I'm insulted? Because it's completely natural and normal to feel anger. And it, it says, um, love your enemies. Yeah, but what about the hate I have for that person that has hurt me? What about all of that? And what I've found in the church and in, in, even with the Bible, it's not nearly as clear how we go from those natural, normal places that we're at to where we're supposed to be. And so the Bible says, don't sin, don't sin in your anger. But right before that, it says, be angry. So how do we do that? I found that in the church, we're not real equipped in how to do those emotions. So we're going to take a look at anger today. And here's the problem with anger. We have seen way too many bad examples of it. And we've developed this picture and this definition of anger that is so far off from its God design that we don't even understand how to express it or even what God's original intent was for us. You know, as we see a steady diet of angry people, you know, all you have to do is look at the G20. I, didn't, I haven't watched much of it. My brother said he's watched every single thing about it. I was talking to him last night, and I said, no, I, I really missed it today. But one thing I did see was a lot of angry people getting blown away by water. Anger. It just seems like it shows up every day in our media. And, you know, even as children, we watched imperfect people do their anger. And a lot of us saw some really bad examples. A lot of us experienced, we were on the other side of a very angry person. And then maybe uh, you were a child that got in trouble for being angry. You know, it's very rare that a parent will see beyond a child's anger and let them be anger and understand that under every angry episode, there is deep, deep hurt within the heart. But that never gets addressed because we're always looking at the anger. We're always looking at it. And then we, we come up with two options of what we're going to do with our anger. The first one is we stuff it because we're not supposed to be angry. We stuff it. And then over time, that develops into depression because here's a simple little definition for you of depression. It is anger turned inward on yourself. That's what depression is. Anger that has never been resolved, that gets stuffed down in and never, never gets to, to be freed because it's never dealt with. Or we direct it at others. You know, something happened to us uh, as a child and then we get married and we're taking this out on our spouse constantly because what really needed to be resolved and dealt with never got dealt with and so we spew it out on everybody else when our children don't do what they want to do. We just continue the cycle. And those are the two options that we humans 
have, have done with our anger. And you know what we do then? We conclude anger is bad. Except it isn't. Because anger is a God-given emotion that God gives to us because he loves us. He gives that emotion to us so that we can address what's going on in our heart, the hurt, the pain, the loss, and injustice. He gives anger to us so that we can solve problems. His original intent for anger was to be restorative, to build up. It's God-given. You see, it's only destructive when we violate God's intent. It's only destructive when we use it against the way that he intended in our lives. And so, you see, we haven't really learned how to do our anger the way that God designed it. And here's the definition. It's an outward expression. It's what you see on the outside. It's a warning sign that something in your heart needs attention. Every time, every time there is an anger outburst, it's because something in someone's heart has not been addressed. Now, you don't hear that very much in our culture today. It's just like a red flag in our life. Now, all of us struggle, every single one of us struggle to varying degrees with knowing how to express our anger effectively. It's been one of the greatest challenges in my life, and I'm still learning and I'm still experimenting, and I'm still taking the opportunities that I get with my anger to really learn this God design, God's intent for what anger was supposed to do in my life. Now, statistics would say about 50% of people that go to counseling have some kind of anger issue. I say that every single one of us need to go to counseling to learn how to deal effectively with our anger. All of us need help because it's something that all of us deal with. And, and it's a life skill that we need to learn how to handle properly. And that's what's happened. It's gotten out of control. Now, there are two Greek words in, in the New Testament that are translated as anger. The first one means passion and energy. And that's one of the reasons I, I hate politics, honestly, but I love talking about politics because it gives me energy and passion. And then I feel better, and I go on, and I don't really care about them. That, but, <laughs> but that passion and energy is very energizing. Or the other word is agitated and boiling. Can you relate to that? Have you ever been boil, boiling? Have you ever been in traffic on 95? Uh, <laughs> have you ever been uh, like that? Well, healthy anger is energy that will move us to help solve problems. That's God's intent for it. Now, we see some examples of that in the Bible. Uh, David was confronted by Nathan, and he got really mad. David was a man that was after God's own heart, but he would mess up all the time. And he would just go on with life, and he, he didn't want to be held accountable. But uh, Nathan came along, and David was a man that had an affair with Bathsheba, and then he killed her husband, and he wanted to just keep on with life. But Nathan came along, and he said, David, Dude, do you realize that there are things that you need to look at 
in your life. And David got really upset. He got angry because, uh, and Nathan was saying, there's injustice going on here. And of course, David handled it the way that God would have us all handle it. He listened and he took responsibility for what he'd done in his life. And he asked for forgiveness, <clears throat> excuse me, for, for the things that he had done wrong. And then there's another example of Jesus being angry. He saw what was going on in the temple and the people were defiling the temple in Jerusalem and it made him really angry. Now, how can we express that kind of healthy anger? First of all, we have to give our permi ourselves permission to feel it. You know, it, it, what happens is the way that we see it and the way that we learn it, we end up feeling guilty for being angry. And that just compounds the problem that we have, especially for girls, because girls are supposed to look sweet and nice, and especially in the church. If you're, if you're angry, then you don't look like a Christian. Not true. <laughs> Anger is not bad. It is not wrong. It is not sinful. It is an emotion that God has given us. Our problem is that we've never really learned how to express it in the way that he designed. And so how do we do that? We give ourselves permission to feel anger. You don't have to feel guilty about that because when you feel anger, you have not sinned. You have not done anything wrong. So look at that person next to you and say, sometimes I get angry and that's okay. Go ahead. That's even hard for you to say. You don't like to admit because somehow you don't look like a Christian if you're angry. Well, that's because we don't understand what anger is all about. Go ahead, tell that person, sometimes I get angry. Go ahead. All right, let's work it up here. Do you two ever get angry? <laughs> no. <laughs> we do. And that's what we have to learn is it's okay to feel angry. You have not sinned. You have not done anything wrong. You are expressing a God-given design for anger. Jesus ex ex expressed his anger, and he was sinless. We know that, right? But he expressed his anger. It's just that his anger flowed from a pure heart. And Jesus was honestly in touch, honestly in touch with his emotions. Do you remember seeing Jesus happy? Remember that wedding that he went to? He was smiling and laughing and, and having a good time. We usually think of Jesus as pensive and praying. No, he expressed his happiness. Do you remember when Jesus was sad? His best friend died. And Jesus wept. He was sad. You see, Jesus knew how to honestly experience the emotions, the, the, the true emotions. And even in his anger, he expressed it in a way that would, was according to God's intention for it. And that's called righteous indignation. We want to have righteous indignation where we get angry and that moves us to solve problems. That moves us to express our anger in a way that he designed it. You see, Jesus is our example. And when we include him in this struggle that we have. You see, if we feel guilty, then we're gonna separate from him. We feel bad. But if we include Jesus 
in this struggle that we have to express our anger properly, our lives will be transformed. And that's what it means when we have this key verse that says the Lord himself will fight for you because in those moments that we're going to talk about, in those moments of readiness where you have not sinned, you have felt this anger, in those moments, if you call on him and you stay calm, he will fight for you. He will help you see what's going on. He will take you to a place in your heart that if you can get that healed, you'll see your anger diminish. And that's the only way. The Lord himself will fight for you. Now the Bible tells us, do not sin. There's another one of those directives that's telling us what to do, but how? You know how you do not sin? Be angry. Give yourself permission to be angry. That's what the Bible says. So what we're gonna do, I've got my angry flag here, and boy is it a big flag. When I asked for this to get made, I thought it would be one that I'd kind of do this with, and then it turned into this, and Kelly said, that is my angry flag. <laughs> it's big enough for him. So here's what I want you to do. I want an angry crowd, okay? And I want you to just shout out to me. Now, last night, they were very pensive. They had a hard time, and then when I, I had people come to me afterwards and say, oh, I wish I would have shouted it out. I hate, I, I, it makes me angry when people are racially prejudiced. But he didn't say it. Why? Did he feel guilty for being angry? I've found that we feel guilty for being angry. So I want you to express your God-given emotion for things that make you angry. First thing is always traffic, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. It, is, is this how I need to wave it for your traffic anger? Or it, whip it. Okay, last night I was asking, uh, Gracie was standing back there, and I said, Gracie, what makes you angry? And she said, mm, let me think. She said, it's Jackson, her brother. And so I'm waving it like this, and she said, that's way too graceful. And so I said, yeah, that's it. That's my anger for Jackson. Okay, what's something else that makes you angry? Addiction. Like this? Is this or even? Oh. There you go. That's, now that's okay. What else? Whoa. See, everything gets all messed up. What? what? Toxic relationships make me angry. Okay. What else? Politics. Yeah. Politics make me angry. What? Traffic! Traffic makes me angry because everybody doesn't drive nearly as good as I do. <laughs> no one drives as good as I do. <laughs> Blow the horn. Okay, the light just turned I'm the one that you get mad at. I'm telling you, I've made people mad. And I look at them, sorry. <laughs> That's me. So think of me next time you get mad at people. Okay, uh, what else? Abuse. That was on my list. Whoa. <laughs> Help. See, that's what happens. That's what happens. Okay, what else? We're waving our angry flag. That's right. Sometimes abuse happens by accident, but you always have to go back and say, I'm sorry, little light. We'll do that. 
How about God? Does God ever make you mad? Thank you for your honesty. Because he just won't do what we want him to do, will he? And we get angry. We get, oh, thank you, Mark. Whoops, stepping on my angry flag. I'm telling you, a lot of damage can be done with the angry flag, right? Boy, it wore me out. What about put downs? What about when you feel put down? Does that make you mad? Yeah, it makes you angry. Okay, let's put a pause. Because you felt angry, you haven't sinned. You're in a readiness position to respond. Now, we don't usually pause right there, do we? Because we've developed such habits that when things make us mad, we just respond out of habit, right? And so what that means is we're going to have to break some habits. And I can tell you this, breaking a human habit that we've had for a long, long time will not be broken by human willpower. It just won't. It takes a superhuman power to break the chains off of something. I don't, I don't even care if it's you never expressing, you've learned not to express your anger. Breaking that habit will be tough because you'll feel guilty when you express your anger. And that's exactly where the enemy wants us to be because he doesn't want us to express it the way that God intended, the way that he gave us as humans. And so what he did was he gave us, he gave us the greatest example that we could ever have. Because you see, Jesus got angry. You know that, right? Jesus expressed his anger. And these are the things that made him angry. Hypocrisy. He hated hypocrisy. He hated it when people would look over at other people, like other drivers, and, <laughs> ooh, that gets us, doesn't it? And, and point out their flaws, but not take a look at their own. It's a whole lot easier wanting other people to change, isn't it? He did not like hypocrisy. Did he love that driver? Yeah. Did he love that hypocrite? Yeah. But he hated hypocrisy. He hated greed. When he saw those money changers in the temple and these innocent people were coming to worship and they were making a profit off of the people that came to just want to be in the presence of the Lord, it made, he could see into their hearts of greed. And it made him angry, so angry that he responded by going into the temple and upsetting the tables. He didn't direct that at the people. He didn't cut them down. He didn't cuss them out. He directed it at the behavior of what was going on. That would be like if you came in here and we were going to have communion and we sold you the communion cup. Or we said, you know what, it'll be $100 to see Buddy for an appointment. Or here's your prayer cloth. You can't go in there and pray until you buy this cloth. Jesus hated that kind of greed that would use people 
And this is pretty mild, what I'm doing here. I probably should have somebody else waving the angry flag because Jesus would be going like this. Jesus did not like lukewarm living. You see, he saw the people that were just trying to stuff a little bit of religion into their life. And he said, and in Revelation it says, I'd rather you get all the way in and be a sold-out believer or get out, Jesus was saying. All in or get out. Have you ever smelled stagnant water? A pool or a pond that has no living water flowing through it? It stinks. It really stinks. And that's what Jesus saw with people that called themselves followers and believers. And he hated lukewarm living. And Jesus hated hard-heartedness because, you see, it's really easy to get cynical because you look at other hypocrites and you point out their issues, and it's real easy to get sarcastic and make sarcastic jokes. It's, easy, it's real easy to have those blocks on your heart because you know what that does? It prevents you from being vulnerable in the presence of the Lord. It helps you to stay focused on what other people think about you. Jesus hated that. He hated that, and it made him angry. Jesus didn't like superiority because there were religious people that said, here's what you have to do to be a believer. And that wasn't true at all. They were laying all kinds of rules and laws. This is what you have to look like. This is what you have to do. And Jesus said, no, it's a matter of your heart. It's a matter of being contrite and surrendered and vulnerable before God. And people were getting way off. And those things made Jesus angry. Those things are our example. And Jesus is our example. Jesus was energized. And Jesus would always respond. You see, we respond with stuffing it, which is very passive, aggressive, or we respond by spewing it, which is very aggressive, that was not Jesus at all. Jesus had a third way. He was very assertive. He felt his anger. He honestly was in touch with his emotions and how God had designed him. And then he asserted himself and responded. You know what we have in common with Jesus? Temptation, and I'll get to that in a minute, but first, anger was serving its purpose in Jesus. When you get angry, it has a purpose. And when you get in that state of readiness and you have not sinned in your anger, you have opportunity to respond assertively and honestly and you can make the world a better place or you can tear it down you see we've talked about our anger we've talked about Jesus's anger and what that does it puts us in a readiness position to respond what's going on in our heart because let me tell you this every time you see anger every time you feel anger it's a secondary emotion it's not what you're to respond to. What we need to respond to is whatever it's flowing from 
in our heart. And as people, we never seem to want to get there. But anger is always an outward expression of something that's going on in our heart. That's why Jesus came to build his kingdom in the hearts of people. Because he knew that our hearts are wounded. And he knew that we needed his strength and his power to ever get beyond that. It's always a secondary emotion. When you see anger, that means that somebody is hurting. Somebody has something unresolved in their heart. When you feel anger, that means you're really hurting. And there's something that you've never addressed in your heart. Because when you can get there, it's going to make a huge difference in how you experience and express your anger. You see, Jesus got angry when people violated God's purpose. His heart was grieved when people devalued themselves, which we do, or they devalued other people. It's what our world is all about. Top dog. I got to put you down so I feel better about myself. That grieved his heart. And it made him, he showed it up in his anger. He was energized. He was passionate. But the reason that he was motivated was because he had a love for people. It makes no sense for us to love people that anger us. But this is our example with Jesus. How do we stay calm in our anger? We watch Jesus. How did he do it? So we've been put in a state of readiness, and he's been put in a state of readiness. And you know what we have in common with Jesus? In that moment, temptation. Temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted all the time. Satan hated Jesus. He never got off of his back. He wanted Jesus to fall. He wanted Jesus to bow just like he wants you and he wants me to do the same thing. But Jesus said, in my temptation, what I'm going to do is turn to my heavenly father and say, God, this is beyond my ability. Help me to respond in line with you. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was tempted to sin in his anger, just like we are. But there's a moment where we don't have to. You see, our response, our response will reflect whatever's in our heart. You're not going to hear that much, but that's the truth. Our response will reflect whatever's in our heart. You know what we're different with Jesus about? The condition of our heart. Jesus' heart was pure. Everything that he did flowed out of love. Now, it's impossible for us humans to love those that hurt us. It's impossible. There's only one way. There's only one way. See, when tempted, Jesus turned his, his father for strength. And when he did, he didn't fall to the temptation. None of us do. He overcame his temptation. 
instead of following that urge and just feeling better in the moment, he developed the habit, habit of responding out of his pure heart. And you see, because our hearts have been so flawed by the losses in our life, by the injustice that's happened to us, it's so much easier to get angry at them and want them to change instead of doing the work that comes back and say, God, man, my heart is flawed. There's something in here that needs attention. Something in my heart needs attention, Lord. Jesus felt the pain and the injustice, but he drew from a place of love, and that was God. He drew from God. And the good news is that you and I can be like him if we choose to be. But that means coming before him and not worrying about what anybody else says and saying, Lord, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit because I know that it's your Holy Spirit that will give me the strength not to fall into my temptation that's gonna either hurt me or hurt someone that I really, really love, but that I can overcome my temptation and respond in a way that's gonna reflect you living in my heart. A flawed heart that's being healed. How did Jesus respond? He didn't retaliate. He didn't get back. He didn't let people control him or situations control him. He didn't use his anger to feel better in the moment by spouting off. He responded by going to the cross for the very people that angered him. That doesn't even make sense to us, does it? It's beyond our imagination that we could be that way, that we could be angry and pause, turn to our Father and respond assertively the way that he designed for our anger to work. That's the greatest love known to all mankind. So how can we stay calm in our anger? Well, be courageous enough, vulnerable enough to pay attention to what's going on in your own heart. I mean, our spouse makes us so angry or those drivers or abuse or starvation makes us so angry. But what's that touching on inside my heart? Until we can identify that, people and circumstances will control us. The Bible says, create in me a pure heart, O God. Who's willing to be vulnerable enough to pray that? My heart is flawed, God. Create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Secondly, choose to respond like Jesus. Do you want him to fill you? Do you want to be like him? You can be. It takes practice. It takes work. It's not just going to dump out of the sky on you. It's not going to be something that one day we wake up and we just don't sin. It's going to require something from you. It's going to require a willingness, an open mind, a willingness to look like a fool in front of other people. But if you want it bad enough, if you're hungry enough, 
He has it available to every single one of us. We can resist the temptation and we can learn to express it by its God-given design. It says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I don't know this just because I've read this in the Bible. I know this from personal experience and living in my relationship with Jesus Christ because I was a happy, healthy, free-spirited child, free-spirited teenager for 15 years. And then my father died and that was the event in my life. Everybody has an event in your life, something happened, someone said something to you that cut into your heart and turned that blade and you never addressed it again because just like me, I got up, I didn't know what else to do as a teenager and I went on with life and the distractions of life helped me push that stuff and all the loss and the pain down deep in my heart. That's what we do as humans. And my first sign of anger was in my first year of college. I had spent my junior year, my senior year of high school, and then I went off to college, and my life was drifting like a blade of grass in a lazy river. I was drifting and drifting away from God, didn't even know it. And I had pushed all of this stuff down into my heart, and the first sign of my anger, my outward expression of what was going on in my heart was my first year of college. And I got in this argument with my mom, and I went to the kitchen cabinets, and I pulled that out, and I ripped that off. Now for a 17, 18-year-old, that's pretty much anger. There's a lot of intensity, a lot of agitation, a lot of boiling in that. Nobody ever read my anger that this 15-year-old girl had lost her father and her heart was hurting. And so I just drifted off and I went to college and in the 11 o'clock service, I'm gonna have a friend here that I met in the heat of my anger. Without knowing it, I was probably angry at God in my first year, I started to rebel against him and I met her when I went out behind the dorm to smoke a cigarette. And she came out, she was from Pennsylvania, Dutch country, very conservative Mennonite, and she came out and she just stood there and she talked to him. And she's coming today, which is very rare for she's a sports writer, very rare for her to travel outside of her territory. But she can, in in our communication, it's like she can never believe that I'm doing what I do. She hasn't, she's, she's seen who I was and what I do now, and it's so hard for her to believe that God has changed me and to believe that I'm doing what I do. And she'll be here in the 11 o'clock, and she saw me in the heat of my anger. And, and anger then continued to show up, but thank God for my relationship with Jesus Christ. It's why I worship him every weekend and every, all through the week, because I am so grateful that in my relationship with him, he began to produce the fruit of self-control and of perseverance. And, and, and I love him and I praise him because I learned through the disciplines of, of this life to have some breaks on my anger. Our anger a lot of times is like jumping into a sports car and revving it up and going as fast as you can and you're going as fast as you can and you, fig- and you find out you don't have breaks. You know what's gonna happen? I was on my bike the other day in Salem Fields and I went down this huge hill 
And I didn't even think about it until the bottom of the hill, and boy, was I thankful for those breaks. And you see, in my relationship with Christ, he helped me, he gave me the Holy, the Holy Spirit to help me develop breaks on my anger, but all of that stuff was still stuffed down into the deep recesses of my heart. And my anger would show up throughout my life. And just a few years ago, just a few years ago, it erupted. And it really, really scared me. And in that moment, I remember where I was standing. I said, where is this coming from in my heart? I heard a word come out of my mouth that I said, that is not who I am. That is not who I want to be. I am angry. Where is it coming from? And it was in that moment that the Lord said, you can't do this on your own gate. You need help. You know what I did? I got help. Because we cannot do this alone. And when I went there, it was though the Lord began to unlock this place in my heart that had been lying dormant for so many years. And it began to come out, all of the things that I never really dealt with, all of the things that were unresolved. And I give him the glory for all of this because it's only in my relationship with Christ that this has been able to happen. You see, we think that when we uh, curse or when we hit something or when we're aggressive or we'll do something that works this anger out or even anger management, somehow that's going to help. It won't. It's only going to intensify your anger because that's only dealing with the behavior. It's not getting to the root of the problem. And we as people are so afraid to go there. But once we can get there and allow God to heal it, we won't need that red flag anymore because you'll be amazed at how your anger begins to subside and your freedom and your exhilaration and your energy and your love for Jesus will get bigger and bigger. And I know that that's a chain that holds so many people down. I've been in the church world way too long. I don't see that kind of exhilaration. I don't hear those kinds of stories that I was angry, and this is what God has done for me. And I discovered that I was carrying something around for my whole life except for those first 15 years, and I addressed it. And the first thing that I did was call on the blood of Jesus Christ because when he went to the cross and he shed his blood for the people just like me that had sinned against him, there is a place that only the blood can reach in our heart. No human, no skill, nothing, until we plead the blood of Jesus Christ on those wounds that are in our heart, they won't get healed. We need Jesus. And then we have to commit to do what Jesus did. In our moment of temptation, in our moment, we slow the frames down and we say, God, I am so tempted here to hurt someone, to hurt myself or someone else by spewing or stuffing. Please help me, God, to have the strength to overcome my temptation. Then we'll see victorious Christians. Then we'll see people that come in and worship with a passion because of what God is doing in our lives. You see, when you're 
red flag is waving. You have opportunity, you have a choice in how you're gonna respond. Here's the thing about your smarts and your intelligence, it won't heal a wound. You can be the, be the smartest person, the most competent person on the face of this earth, and that will never heal your wound. And you'll stay in that place of, of uh, disarray and anger most of your life until you're willing to allow him to show you whatever that is. You'll be amazed if you take that step and you journey through your imperfections and you're honestly courageous at looking at those things in your life. You won't be waving that red flag nearly as much. It's been amazing to me in the last seven years what God has done in my life. There has been a sense of personal freedom. There's been an exhilaration. There's been a hopefulness in my problems. There's been a calming of my spirit. Because you see, he'll take some dry bones and he'll breathe new life when you're willing to do it his way. Very few people are willing to do the work. We're more like the man at the pool that's been there 38 years and made all kinds of excuses why he couldn't get up and get in and be healed. And Jesus said, do you want to be healed? Because there's something that's required of you. I'm not just going to heal you. There were hundreds of people there. Jesus could have walked right down and healed everybody. He didn't. He said, do you want to be healed? Because if you do, you're going to take this really seriously. And you're not going to just leave here today and say, well, I went to church today and I feel like a good person. You're going to say, God, I want to do anger your way. I want to learn to use it to make this world a better place. And that's going to take something from me to be honest, to admit to overcome this temptation, to break some habits. But when we do, my friend's going to see in me the person that she knew me as 17 years old and angry, as someone who is courageously honest to say, God, it's for your glory what you've done in me. That's why I worship you. That's why I praise you. That's why, honestly, I don't care what you think of me anymore because I'm willing to lay myself out on the line and tell you what God's done in my life. I want to shout and leap and praise the Lord. And that is the way you go from anger to staying calm. Let's worship.
struggle with this and if you can step forward and you can say enemy I am not going to let you keep me in chains anymore would you just come forward as we finish out this song that's been here this morning, God, this is our step. This is our step forward to say, enemy, you have no control over us anymore, but God, we know this is just the beginning, that there are habits to break, that there are chains to be taken off. And Lord, that means that we're gonna need your power, your strength. So God, I thank you so much for the honesty that's been here this morning, Lord, that we can be transformed by that. And so we've stepped forward, God. We're not going to make excuses anymore. And we say, Father, we need you. In those moments of our temptation, remind us that we have a choice in how to respond. And so, Lord, we love you. I give you all the glory, God, for what you've done in my life. I pray, Lord, that we will be one step closer to you this morning because of what's happened here. And Lord, let this not just be something that we've experienced on a Sunday morning, but something that we practice this week. Remind us, Lord, give us your Holy Spirit, your strength, 
your power to the, be the people that you've called us to be, that will be angry this week, Lord, but that will do it completely differently. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, thanks, you guys. He's alive. He's alive. Go in peace. Breathe in me your life, I can feel you are close now.